We have Miss Worldwide, also known as Lava Girl, formerly Season, aka the Daisy Duchess. It's the one, the only, Ava like Lava. Ava, if you woke up today and you found yourself deep in the 90s, what would be playing on your radio? Oh my God. First of all, thank you so much, guys, at Sludge Underground for having me. What a beautiful intro. You know, I've been dying and waiting for the moment where all of these acronyms and titles that I've self-bestowed were going to come up and actually be used by someone other than me. So thank you for that. It's really exciting to hear it. Um, To answer your question, Definitely Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears. I'm not even going to choose between the two because they would be playing back to back. You know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, you know, bring this up, uh, Alva, because obviously the accent. So, where are you from originally? I'm from Iran. Um, it is surrounded by other Middle Eastern countries, but um, we stand out as well as Turkey for being two non-Arabic countries in the Middle East. So our our primary language, our mother tongue is in Arabic. It does have Arabic influence in it, but it's a completely different type of language. It sounds different. It flows different. And yeah, obviously we have a, like a bunch of different cultural elements compared to the rest of the Middle East, but it is exciting. And we're often confused with Iraq, one of our neighbors. But um, yeah, I think for those who know, they now and for those who don't i'm hoping that my music can change that and can be a sort of an introduction for anyone who isn't familiar with my culture just on your culture i'm very this is something i'm very like intrigued by right um i don't know if this would be from iran but you often come across those videos online where it's like um they're doing some sort of like circle dance type thing okay is that from iran what is that like if that yeah (laughs) If I'm imagining correctly, um, then it could be, you know, the dervish and their long tradition of, you know, going into trance and then they're called whirling dervishes. Like if if I if we are talking about the same thing um, that actually did originate, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, part of Persia. But now it is it is modern day Turkey. So it is very, very close to us. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the thing is that like we have modern states, like modern nation states in the international system. But before that, a lot of these places were empires and, you know, they stretched way further than, you know, the country's borders do today. So it's, it's crazy. The Middle East is, is just honestly one of the craziest you know, areas in the world as rich with history and just artifacts like that. So, yeah. A lot of a lot of cool cultural dances for sure, and a lot of circles. <laughs> do you do you ever visit uh, Iran, like ever, or are you this side full on? I do, I do. I used to visit a lot more frequently, and it was the place that I would spend every summer in. So, um, growing up in China, that was like what we did during the summer. Um, myself and my parents would go back to Iran. So I was never, you know, far away from it, even though I, I didn't grow up there. We left for China because of my dad's job. When, when I was seven, I had just finished like first grade of primary school in Iran. And that's the only bit of schooling that I've actually done there. Um, but it was never far away from me. It was never somewhere I was divorced from. At least half of my family is in Iran. And so it was it was the place that I didn't want to come back from every summer where we would when you would go. Um I've I've heard you say when you're talking about the track Feel Me, um, that you refer to yourself as a third culture kid. Um, what does that mean? I think a third culture kid um, really just represents being having been exposed to different cultures throughout your childhood. It's it's never by your own choice, more so your family circumstances and you know what what your parents end up deciding. Um, for me, as an only child, you know my parents wanted me to grow up having the most access to opportunities that we could have. And um, we weren't diplomats. My, my my dad isn't a politician. He didn't work for an international like 
a big international corporation. He was an engineer and he sought work opportunities abroad. He sought immigration just so I wouldn't have to live with the restrictions that Iranian society also imposes on women, something that, you know, um, really would hinder you know, my creativity, my my ability to express these notions. And just, it's, yeah, it's a lot of limitations that unfortunately the women in my country have to put up with. And they, they resist it, they fight it, they don't agree with it. But unfortunately, that's what they're restricted to. And I went a little bit off topic there, but I thought it related back to what we're speaking about um, with regards to culture and my heritage. But yeah, the third culture child is just a, a child who's a global citizen, a product of the world and that's how I feel that's how I feel about everywhere that I've lived um it it leaves a very you know specific imprint on me and my development and how I perceive myself in South Africa is is much like that as well um people get surprised when they're like oh so you've only been here since 2016 and you know that's not a long time um but um it's it's home to me it's a part of me I think that you know wherever I am I try to absorb as much as I can about the environment and you know unlike other people who you know may may decisively call one place home um i try to develop that mindset and love for anywhere that i find myself you know having lived in so many you know so many different places and such um one being china um how was your experience you know arts in china what is china like compared to you know south africa and if you had to sort of pick between staying you know here and staying in China full time because you know the situation in Iran, right? Um, but um, between those two, which would you sort of you know stay in? Uh, which do you prefer? The one thing that I try to remind um, pretty much any South African person I come across is that the grass is not greener on the other side, and that's something you should always, you know, just acknowledge to yourself, even even if you if you if you are inclined to believe that people have it better in other places, everywhere has its unique set of problems that you know make it hard for the citizens in, in, in those spaces. Um, with South Africa, we know the obvious problems. I mean, gender-based violence is probably the most prominent crisis that South Africa has been dealing with for the longest time and, and one that consistently puts it in you know the, the worst kinds of statistics and far off from the rest of the world. And that, that's, that's a huge problem. It's a problem that faces any woman, a problem that faces any family. And that's, uh, that's obviously, we, we know what, what needs fixing. We know where, where there's, there can be so much more improvement but in Iran, um, like we said, you know, you don't have freedom of expression. You don't have uh, freedom of movement, freedom of religion. These are, and, and I mean, like just this conversation alone is, believe it or not, risky territory. You know, that the more I speak my truth and, you know, try to represent things to the best of my ability and my knowledge and fairly and tell the world about the things that I've seen, um, the more I'm putting myself in danger and, and my platform <laughs> and, and by platform I mean well yeah you know it's I, I, I always worry about this and I know this is really deep and intense but like it's not that hard to get assassinated and then your platform ends you know and <laughs> and and that's that kind of I'm not really sure why I'm like going so deep into the political chats but I think you know when when asked to compare China and South Africa, that's another thing that comes to mind. I loved China for a lot of reasons. It's a beautiful country. And I think that everyone should visit the Far East because it really shows the world how fast you can develop, how, how well you can lift a, a large portion of your population and a great number of people out of poverty. These are still major priorities, I think, around the world. South Africa, for sure. Iran, for sure. We all could benefit from, you know, lifting people out of poverty at a good enough rate and not making life harder for the people who are the most vulnerable to these circumstances. And that's something China's done exceptionally well. Chinese people are, are great they they have obviously a lot of cultural differences with the iranians but we never had a bad experience living in china they were so welcoming towards foreign people as well especially when i when i was growing up less so now because they don't need the expats and that's a good thing it's it's good to like not be like not need foreigners there for your country to you know 
be functioning uh, well. It's a super futuristic space, and that's really respectable. I mean, it competes with the United States, with European countries that have been developed for very long in terms of modernism. Um, the infrastructure is great. The, what I miss most, and this is something I tell everyone very often, is public transport. Chinese public transport is wonderful. And it wasn't always like this. When I was growing up, when we first moved to China in 2005, um, they had four lanes of the underground metro. Now they have like 23 very expansive metro lines that cover the whole city. You can go anywhere you want. You can beat traffic, um, but you know you could still take a cab because that's also quite affordable. And you can also take the bus because that's also really convenient. And that's something that I feel like um, any big city really, really needs. You know, I, I think that can be one of the more important things that we can see happen in South Africa is increasing the public infrastructure so that um, citizens, normal citizens have the best and most easy access to where they're trying to go and for there not to be these barriers of entry um, just just for you to get to your job interview, for example. But yeah, there's, the grass isn't greener on the other side. There's so many different things you can appreciate about where you are and all of those places have problems. So I think it's important to take anywhere with a grain of salt and appreciate what happens right in a space. And in South Africa, increasingly you see that, you know, at least freedoms of expression are valued and that has taken a very traumatic history to gain. And so it's, it's respectable. It's applaudable. you got to appreciate the progress where you see it. Because, you know, otherwise, you, you know, there's always negative things to focus on. And, and that doesn't inspire hope. It doesn't make people want to stay in a country. It doesn't, you know, it, it's not good for the future. We'll be right back. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Nah, I mean. So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. We all artists, man. We go. You feel me? We gonna have this like. Me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this shit. I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. I gotta lie. Don't play with it. Take that shit seriously. Please don't feel like you can't um, just go as deep as you can, you know, as long as your life is not in danger. So that's the most important thing. But don't 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 feel bad for for going, you know, as deep as you want to go. <laughs> My conspiratorial fears um, are honestly just rooted in what I've seen as the power of, you know, the, the, the power of a narrative, especially if it goes against what what certain authorities may want you to say and um, may want you to preach and may want you to like advertise at all. And um, yeah, I think, you know, studying international relations and being very deeply involved in world politics, has always made me like, oh, but just be careful where you say it, you know, you don't want this biting your ass before you get things, you know, like actually accomplished, you know, before you can help these causes. And so I'm always just trying to figure out what the right amounts of everything is. <laughs> No, it's all good. You're killing it. Uh, I think this is the perfect amount. Also considering the fact that, you know, there aren't that many. We don't really get to hear about what happens in Iran here in South Africa on, on a daily basis. We don't get to hear about what's happening out in China and all that. So especially getting this from an artist, you know, who is making incredible music, who's doing some really good things here in South Africa. I don't think there's any, this kind of content is really available anywhere. Like it's, it's rare. So hence I'm saying, don't feel like you, you got to hold back, but obviously just, you know, be as safe as you want to be as well. <laughs> Thank you. This is actually my first time expressing this concern outwardly because you know it's real you know i say it to my partner all the time i'm like babe i need to like become sufficiently powerful before i can actually just you know dropping like truth bombs on people <laughs> <laughs> so what i want to find out from you of is um obviously you were saying you, you mentioned the oh there's just so much uh i want to focus on obviously you meant you said that in china 
you know, there's some positive sort of takeaways, one of them being transport um, and such, and that, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Um, here in South Africa, for you personally, you know, what would you say is, you know, one of the positive things? Because we have sort of been focusing more on the negative side. Um, so here, what would you say, you know, is sort of, you know, one of the positive things that you've found, you know, since you stayed here in 2016? I think for one, people are so kind. And South Africa is such a hopeful story for me. I think it's an inspiring story and and one that, you know, requires uh, patience, you know, uh, for me, you know, coming here in 2016, when I started studying um, at this university, this was my first time really seeing what, um, what, what like society was actually like through the eyes of young people, what has been accomplished in post-94 South Africa for the born freeze, like what they're like, what, what they make of the world. And it was really exciting for me. For, I've always been an outsider no matter you know where I've been with having like a privilege of being an insider outsider. It's a, it's, an, it's a difficult thing to explain because obviously when I come into a space, I'm like, okay, cool. I, I'm different from everyone, but I'm curious. I'm interested. I'm in your home. So show me the way, you know, show me how you guys do things and what you believe. And I feel like South Africans are some of the most underrated individuals in the world. Um, genuinely. And I think that diversity breeds a lot of this. Um, you know, growing up, we all watched American movies. Um, we were all a part of this Americanized world. And so a lot of the things that, you know, we subconsciously picked up watching TV and how we thought the world was, at least for me, was based on, you know, TV series I watched and, you know, what I used to enjoy as entertainment. And even my accent uh, being Americanized, that, that is a product of my socialization and what I was into, the music I listened to, what my influences were. But I feel like growing up, you know, I didn't realize that the world wasn't as nice a place as, as you know, um, it was made out to be in, in, in this TV world, you know. Um, growing up, I certainly didn't realize that racism was as blatant a thing as it is in the United States, for example, or that police brutality even exists. And, you know... Um, not to make this about things that aren't positive in their nature, but I think the point that I'm trying to make in that is I didn't realize how much of that fantasy world wasn't real. And coming to South Africa, going to university here, seeing what um, civil society is like here has been really inspiring. I think South Africa in reality is far more like what the idealized American TV scenario reflects. Um, you know, when I, when I look at, you know, a table of people sitting outside of, you know, Theo's on campus and I see that they're a mixed crowd, you know, you see two Muslim kids, a couple of Indian kids, there's three white kids and five black kids like chilling together. They're a clique, they're a circle. That's not a TV show putting quotas in or trying to like incorporate diversity into a space. I feel like I witnessed so much of that happen happening organically. And for me, that is like probably the greatest sign of progress because it says something about what the future is gonna look like. Um, and from what I can tell, born frees are a lot more on each other's level, irrespective of their cultural differences and distinctions than they are with the generation before them who had to, you know, be a lot more actively engaged with, you know, the traumatic events in history of this country. So there's just so much hope. I, I don't know. I, when I think of South Africa, I think of hope. I think of kindness. I think of, you know, perseverance. And, and that's what makes me want to be here. I think that Africa is going to be the creative capital of the world and that it's already on its way um, of becoming that and being a source of export of culture and music which we've already seen it become and and you know I really want to be a part of it I, I have such a uh, such a great appreciation for everything that I see here that is right that is fantastic that is world-class and so yeah I say it's inspiring so we've talked a lot about places becoming an influence in who we are. Um, in terms of your aesthetic, you've hinted that we are a collection of our influences. So I want to know about people. Um, who are your muses? Oh, wow. 
This is, I, I love this question. I think that to the best of our abilities, we can only answer half of that question, mainly because um, we, we have our conscious influences and muses, right? But I think there's so much in our brains that we couldn't even distinguish because it could be from a memory when you were two years old and um, your grandma may have been playing a song on the radio that you used to hear every day at that time. And that's left such a such an imprint on your brain and you wouldn't be able to recognize it, but you would know that it's somehow there and it comes out in one song and or in one lyric and one word and things like that. But as for my conscious influences, musically speaking, um, I'm drawn towards great lyricists. And, and, and what I think is great obviously differs from what, what everyone else will think it's, is great. But I personally really enjoy people who can talk about really real things without making it um, as though and packaging it as though, okay, cool. This is what we're talking about. It's deep. It's meaningful. Like, I don't want things to be explicitly meaningful. I like it when people are very playful with that. I like it when people can laugh at themselves in their music and that level of honesty that can come through someone's expression of teasing themselves of, of like laughing at their flaws of being playful. I love playfulness in music and for me you know music is an opportunity to make people feel something and I don't gravitate towards making wanting to create and generate a feeling of sadness in my audience and I think a lot of my most favorite musicians even if they were speaking about really sad content had such a such a fuck you attitude about it and such a this is what it is you know it is what it is um, that, you know, it no longer feels sad. And I, I just love playful music so much. I mean, Mac Miller is one of my all-time biggest inspirations, muses, loves, just icons. Um, love him lyrically, love him musically. Those are two separate things. And, and somehow together they even create a new dimension. He's someone who's always shown how easily you can laugh at, at hard things and, and still be honest about them. To, to, you know, poke fun at yourself, to be playful, to, yeah, just be full of, full of meaningful messages that don't have to be explicitly like, this is meaningful, this is serious. In fact, I think, you know, when, when I sense that tone to a project, I don't like it as much. If I feel like you're trying to like make something, you know, deep and serious, and that's the explicit packaging of it. Um, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's almost like, uh, I feel your narrative too strongly and it, it, it makes it hard to listen to the music for the music's sake. So it's, it's, it's quite difficult. Amine is another one. Love his playfulness. His music's still very meaningful, but it's far more implicit and it's far more explicitly playful. Um, creative. Oh, I think he's a creative genius. And, you know, I aspire to be able to direct music videos of, of my own that are, are so creatively fun. They're so childlike and just fun to watch, make you happy. Um, happiness is a hard feeling to create in other people. And that's, that's something that I would like to create. I, I want someone to be excited after listening to my music. I want someone to be inspired, to be happy. And um, sometimes it means making people feel somber, but um, it won't be my explicit intent. And even if it is the messaging of it, I'll try to wrap it in not a sugar-coated kind of bow situation, but I'll make it fun. You know, let's, let's laugh with it instead of laughing at it. In terms of lyric writing, which part of the lyrics do you typically start with? And which part is the most challenging to write? <sighs> I think if I, if I had to observe a pattern in how I work, I start with hooks and choruses easier. For some reason, I, I actually think that choruses come rather easily to me. And um, a verse, yeah, I mean, verses can be intimidating. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not sure. It depends on the song as well. But when I say it can be intimidating, it's because, you know, if you have a hook in mind that you're like, okay, cool, this is fun. This is playful. This is catchy. And then you're like, 
oh, okay, now now I have to tell people what the song is about. <laughs> and I think the verse is more um, the part of the story where you do dig deeper, tell the actual story. And sometimes you actually don't know what you're going to say. You know, you have the hook. You know what it feels like. You know that it's a vibe. You know that it will make anyone listening to it feel something. But um, sometimes the story really comes from thinking about it. And it, the story isn't always there from the, the very beginning inspiring the whole song. So in terms of songs that may take quite long to write, I know that there was a song of yours that took years to sort of for you to evolve into. Um, what makes you dig into the archives, so to speak? Oh, the vault. It's a great place. I think it's it, it's a really important thing to have a discography of unreleased music. Um, it's something that artists don't speak about enough because especially in the first couple of years that you start making music, there's so much you're going to experiment with. There's so much you're going to create and create for the first time. Uh, because the muse is inspiring you to to do so, but that you don't necessarily, you know, release all of it. I mean, it's it's a good thing, and it's also one of my biggest regrets that I didn't release more of what I made back in the day, um, just just for it to be out there in the world. But at the same time, a lot of that is you know foundational steps, and um, you don't have to you don't have to like share the foundational steps with your audience when when you feel like okay cool you know this was just part of the learning process not all of these songs were you know fully baked some of them were more half-baked but that was just part of the process of learning that was part of the process of experimentation but the song that you're referring to summertime that song um is actually one of the first songs i i ever wrote um at least the the majority of it um i have since added a whole new verse or a bridge, so to speak, to the song. I have since re-recorded the whole entire song and did it with my skill sets today, with my um, way better idea of who I am sonically, of who I am aesthetically. And so um, it's, it's really fun. It's, it's, it's nice. Sometimes you listen to like some of the first songs you wrote and you're like, I can tell that like you, uh, well, I know you were inexperienced. I can tell that, you know, you also didn't think of overthink it, you know, too much. And that's a good thing. Um, sometimes the more you do of something, the, the more experience you have in, in also just being overconscious of the process. I mean, it certainly becomes far easier to not be like that. But, you know, looking at looking back at some of the earliest songs I wrote and recorded, there's there's still such a strong sense of appreciation I have for them and respect for other then, you know, or season or, <laughs> um, you know, whoever she was. I respect what she was doing then, because without what I did then, I wouldn't have been able to evolve into the sound that I have today and and have this proper understanding of myself. And I look back and I'm like, shit, girl, you were doing all right. Those are some really good bars. That was a really good way of expressing it. And, and I remember that back in the day, I didn't overthink it, even though it wasn't easy to write music when I first began. I still really have such a gratitude towards all of that music. And, and Summertime, it has been rebuilt. It almost like, for me, it's, it's nostalgic because I know it started so long ago. I think it was, you know, written and recorded uh, originally in 2018, which is on, honestly like um, when I first began making music, really. And um, I, the, the opportunity to rework it and, and master it has been really fun. And also like not as easy as you would think because, you know, you remember how you did it back then. And there's a certain a part of your memory that remembers your delivery back then. And, and it's also scary going up against your past self because then you know you have to outdo yourself. <laughs> but it's, it's been really ridiculously fun. And I'm glad I got to revisit it. It was a song that every time that I performed it, um, on the numerous occasions that I have, it was obviously an unreleased song with the old recording. And people were like, where's the song? Why isn't it out there? And I think it finally belongs out there. And I think that if it wasn't good enough back then, it certainly is good enough 
compared to where I am today, which is a really much harder point to have the song be good enough for. You know, there's a lot of things I have in the vault that I just wouldn't release because it wouldn't make sense with where my sound is now and its trajectory and where I'm going with it. But it's, 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 it's really awesome that this song is. And I think it speaks to how good I think it is. <laughs> you know, when you revisited uh, Summertime, you know, and you said it was obviously 2018, Arva. Um, would you say there are still some, you know, when you look back at, at that Arva from 2018 and the Arva that you are now, you know, is there anything that you look back at and you're like, actually, you know, I'm still sort of within the same sort of mindset or still have the same beliefs as 2018 Arva? Or would you say everything has just basically changed completely and it's all HD? Or is there something that you're still carrying, you know, with you? Very little has actually changed. What what has changed and what has transformed has been my sense of acceptance um, for for my sound, which is something that Ava back then was still oblivious to. And obviously, your sound isn't something set in stone and fixed forever. But I have really learned a lot about like what I like and what I am, and I have grown to accept it. You know, you first have to go through this awkward very awkward phase um, and stages, not even a phase of discovery, of experimentation. And that was that was hard work for Ava then for sure. But she still didn't, she couldn't say it with her chest that this is her sound. And um, the, the awkward thing about that process is you may put out music that, that, that you don't know if you're going to be committing to for the rest of your life, if you're going to sound like this, if this is your thing. You know, the first couple of times anyone asks you what genre you make, you know, it's a hard question to answer. You're like, I'm not sure yet, <laughs> but increasingly I become more comfortable in my stance. I know what I sound like. I think then the experimentation had a you know, slight question mark at the end. Like, is this what I am? And now I'm like, this is what I am. And so how I present it, how I engage with it and how I embody it is far more from the heart, fully embraced and, you know, to the best of my ability to, to be true to myself and to what I've come to know as my sound. So same, same person, um, more, more affirmed, more secure, more comfortable and excited. And at the same time, more experimental. I feel like I can afford to experiment within the boundaries the newer brown boundaries, better understanding of what I actually like, like. And so, yeah, when I do experiment, I know I'm expanding upon what I already think is a, a pretty solid foundation and one that I've, you know, come to develop for myself. Mm, and sonically, you did mention that, you know, you're obviously in a better place or you're a better artist now than you were, you know, back then. But now, how do you make sure that you don't sort of lose the essence of, you know, the actual track? Because if you're looking back at 2018, you know, say, for example, you were talking about or you were interested in, say, flowers and, you know, unicorns or something. Um, how do you sort of make sure that you still keep that in there so that we know that, OK, you know, we get that 2018 Ava and not sort of diluted too much, you know, with the newer experiences that you've still got, you know, going. You know, the music, as much as it started in 2018, is ultimately being released into the world now. So it reflects where we are. But part of reflecting on where we are is the whole process of how we got here, you know? And going back to your points about unicorns, it's like, yeah, you know, I've been repping unicorns. Did you not know? <laughs> and so the song is like, obviously it has that unicorn element to it. And the bulk of the song lyrically has remained the same. What has changed is the confident delivery that I can have knowing what I actually sound like, knowing how I deliver. And I think the delivery is the primary thing that would be different between 2018 and now is I know how I'm about to fuck up a track when I'm on it and how I'm not like uh, standing on the mic, like with a big question mark, like, yeah, take, take me to the summertime. You know, it's not, it doesn't end in an upward inflection of, am I sure? This is just, this is an idea. Okay. Hear me out. <laughs> I'm like, hear me out. Take me to the summertime. Let's all go. And um, I think that's, that's the primary difference is yeah. Just like, 
accepting, accepting that like I uh, was going to deliver it with, with what I have today. And that was also part of the pressure because you're like, Ava, I'll do Ava. <laughs> Ava, you better. You're a lover now. <laughs> On my Ava journey, I've noticed a reinvention cycle. And I've even heard you say that you feel like you're constantly introducing yourself. So what would you call your current era? And how does that affect your process with Ganja Beats, considering the fact that they've been there from day one? I think, you know, um, I'm at a really exciting point in, in my journey right now, you know, having having just hopefully finished studying. I mean, I'm still waiting <laughs> for feedback on my thesis, but it's it's like for the first time, I feel like I can really, really commit a lot more of myself to my music more wholeheartedly. And I'm I'm in the process right now of releasing my my next project. And this is just such a good time to be alive for me. I'm so grateful for it because I feel like I'm finally ready for the world to have another, you know, a collection of offerings from me musically and allowing my audience to decide what they feel like the process has been and where what the journey has been from say things to myself to malice and wonderland you know the connections are for the patterns are for the audience to interpret the connections are for the audience to make but it's really exciting you know um i think that the time before you release a project is is this magical time um, working towards it, knowing you're building something, knowing you're building like a collection of something, uh, a, a larger story. And so I'm in my about to reintroduce the introduction <laughs> phase. I, I'm done introducing, actually. You know, I'm I'm at this stage where I'm like, I'm Ava like lava. If you know that, you know that. If you don't know that, you will know that. And that is it. I'm no longer trying to describe myself further than the introduction of, hey, this is what I am. Hopefully your curiosity will, will allow you to uncover the rest. And so with this next project and with where I feel like I am in this era, it's an era of just embodiment of everything that you know, I, I feel like I have learned about myself and really trying to dig deeper, both within myself and digging deeper into the world, digging deeper into music and just really being as, as open as I, as I can be, as open as I've ever been. And I'm, I'm hoping that this new musical offering and experience will, will make my audience feel the same, just an enable deeper sentiment. So Malice in Wonderland is real and it's coming. Malice in Wonderland is real and is coming. What? Ah, oh, that changes everything, Ava. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> is this is this going to be an album, though? Like a full album? It is going to be a ridiculously long EP. Um, I mean, like... Okay, cool. So, like ridiculous is subjective, but it's, it's going to be a considerably long EP. Um, for me, it feels like an album. Um, but yeah, I mean, the categorization ultimately, I think, is is not as important when this is the longest, you know, project that I've ever worked on. It's the most music I've ever put out at once. And so for me, um, it may as well be, you know, the biggest form of offering that I can bring to you know the world and um one thing that i'm increasingly excited about is that i feel like i've broadened my horizon since the the last time i released my project obviously you, you need to learn a lot through your first project and um hence 2021 was a it was an incredibly quiet year for me musically i only released hindsight i i was very busy with music i was making a lot of music I was doing a lot of work that I hadn't done before. I was experimenting in a lot of ways, but I wasn't releasing music. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't mad about it either. And so it's, it's, it's been exciting and, and also a long time coming now. So it's finally getting to the point where I feel like, yeah, you know, the world and myself, we're both ready for Malice in Wonderland and whatever it brings. So are these songs already written or are there some that are still maybe in the studio process? 
There are currently two songs that are being finalized in the studio process, but the project is is done otherwise. <laughs> we have, yeah, we are very, very, very near the end, um, and and it's it's only a matter of you know not rushing it at this stage because you know you know truthfully I wanted to have this project released before um, before we get into the second half of the year but I realized that I need to let go of you know the notion of being too attached to a date when I care far more about doing it right or whatever I I believe is part of me doing the most that I can to put out this project with my whole heart say it with my chest do as much as I can as an artist, as well as an artist manager for myself in this process. And yeah, you know, I've, I've given the delivery that I want. So I feel like I now have to deliver it um, to the best of my ability. And, and I, I will not rush that, although it, it, is, it is going to be this year uh, for sure. And it's going to be soon, but I'm not going to put too much pressure on you know, uh, be, becoming fixated on a date um, because it, it, I think I've, my my values have changed since since the last time I, I released a project. And I think, you know, there's so much work that goes into even preparing one song um, in general. And you really want to make sure that you're doing that song and that much work that's been put into it and gone into it by all these different entities, your producers your featuring artists, the person, the photographer who shot your artwork, the person who made your tracklist cover, the person who's shooting your promo video, um, all of your team, the village that helps you create, like you're doing the work that they've done justice. And so I'm going to try my best to be as intentional as I can with this release and to set it up as nicely as I'm capable of doing for myself and my team. Mm-hmm. And in terms of getting hyped for this, can we expect maybe another another collaboration with someone like Ave Massetti or Evita, or is it purely Ganja Beats full throttle? You know, it is actually no Ganja Beats and <laughs> an entirely set of new collaborators and and people that I've grown to love and, and call friends and partners. So this is, this is why I'm, I'm incredibly excited about this project because it really is a first for me in many ways. This is my first time uh, making a body of work without Ganja Beats and making it, you know, um, amongst my peers, amongst artists that I've grown to love and discover. And um, seeing as you mentioned, Davida, it's really important that we just express it here and today. Evita is the executive producer of the project. And so I'm, I'm so stoked. I cannot like, I cannot explain it any better than that. This is, (laughs) this is a project that's taken a lot of, a lot of intention to build and to, you know, orchestrate and to curate. So I just, I just can't wait to put it out in front of the world and put it in front of as many ears as I can afford to. You mentioned there, uh, Ava, that you are managing yourself, you know, amongst the, the village and the, the people that, you know, you're obviously working with photographers and producers and such. Um, sort of what goes into, you know, managing yourself so efficiently because um, I don't think a day goes by without you sort of seeing something about Ava, you know, on the timeline. Um, so you're doing a really good job. So how do you ensure, how, how is that possible? Like, what are you doing to, to make sure that, you know, you're the best manager, you know, for yourself? Just hold on one second. <laughs> manager hat. <laughs> um, I think, I think that's honestly how I feel. Um, even when I, when I'm speaking to my village of creatives and collaborators, I'm just like, Oh my God, guys, like, do you understand that when I'm pushing you for deadlines, that this is like manager Ava talking, this is not Ava like Lava, it's not Ava your friend, it's not Ava your trusted, you know, companion, this is manager Ava talking, deadlines are deadlines, you know, (laughs) let's meet them. And so I think, you know, the main thing is just 
really like you are the only person who can defend your case as as vigorously as you can and i think that has been a big part of how i've got things done is because no one will like fight for me harder than i'll fight for myself no one will push as hard for me as i can and and i'm committed to push for myself and no one knows how badly i want it more than myself and so those three things have been a key part of me being able to manage myself so far although this by no means implies that i am a manager in the sense of okay i feel like i have developed the skills to be able to manage other artists no i will still need a manager very soon i just don't believe in you know having just put all of my eggs in the basket of oh you need a manager things are getting out of hand like you'll know when things are out of hand and you can no longer manage them and a manager is someone you you want to be such a major part of your story and journey and your companion really you know someone who's invested in you not because they earn from you but because they're invested in your journey and likewise you know you are committed to each other it's it's like a relationship and not just any other relationship it's a relationship where this person goes out there and fights for you because you are going to show up and fight for each other and that's not something you can force that's not something that you can you know rush and just you know okay cool who wants to be my manager no it's 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 so precious it is a valuable thing to have and that's why i believe it needs to be built and so the fact that it hasn't happened for me yet um is is just part of the process. I would rather do it myself until I come across someone who I could trust with my life and my music and my soul. And I think that's what it takes. Just a, a quick follow up from Megan's uh, previous question as well, where she brought up um, Ganja Beats. Um, what is sort of the origin story? you know, when it comes to you and Ganja Beats, because also just a side note, it reminds me of a tweet um, that someone put up the other day where they were talking about um, cheat codes in music, like people or artists that actually get together and you just know that it's going to be a guaranteed like smash hit, uh, you know, obviously the likes of say Metro Booming and Future or Wiki 1080 and Pretty Ugly or something like that. That's what I think of when I think of Ava and, and Ganja Beats. So how did you guys actually like link up and get together? That, that that is beautiful thank you so much um you know it it was a chance encounter and i think that that is so crazy it's it's crazy how many of the biggest moments of my life have you know come down to chance encounters the whole reason i'm in south africa how i made it here all of these moments um including meeting Ganja Beats before i had even ever written a song in my life you know um it, it's, it's just absolutely crazy that I've been lucky enough um, to have the most valuable, you know, experiences and moments in my life start based on chance encounters. And um, this goes back to 2017. I went on to that Facebook group page. I think it was called I Know a Guy. And um, I posted on there asking to be taught production right music production newsflash i still haven't learned music production <laughs> but i that's that's what i posted about and um and a a little old guy who is currently <laughs> and more popularly known um as cool drink he got back to me and he was like yo i'll teach you production and you know we met up we became friends so fast and so easily him myself and my partner and um and he just became a really really big and and, and major part of my friendship circle um and he was still in high school he's a year younger than me i had just moved here so i had i was just yeah i just started first year so like this goes way back and um we developed a beautiful friendship and on one occasion he was staying over at my house and it was around the time of Halloween and it was back in the day when Bacardi was throwing the holiday parties um Bacardi holiday club Bacardi Halloween party was the occasion on on in this instance and um I convinced Munashe I'm like please homie dog you cannot go home tonight. Like this is the event. And I had managed again, a chance encounter. I had managed to get tickets to that party for free. 
um, because they ran a small like giveaway. And I think Nadia Nakai was doing the giveaway and I was the winner. So she DM'd me on Instagram saying, hey, you're coming to the Bacardi um, Halloween party. And I'm like, Manasha, you can't go home tonight. Let me call your parents. Let's work this out. You're staying out one more night. You're going home tomorrow. Okay. We managed to convince him and we spoke to his parents. And um, just like that, we were at the Bacardi Halloween party where he ran into Kyle Deutsch, uh, an artist he had collaborated with when he was like 14 or 15. Uh, you guys have to have cool drink on. This guy has stories for days. He, this is his like third full musical career. Like he's been active uh, musically for a very long time. He ran into Kyle Deutsch, who was chilling with Himmel and the rest of the Ganja Beats crew. And, you know, he came running back to me because I wasn't even like exactly present in that conversation. And in that scenario, he came running to me. He's like, oh, I got us a studio session at Ganja Beats next week. And this is the beginning of everything. This is just crazy. But um, everything took such a tiny tiny event going right, a chance encounter happening, being at the right place at the right time. And, you know, even then, you know, I, I dragged someone else who was in the right place at the right time. I wasn't even, you know, the right person for that place at the right time. And so it's crazy how, how much we all need luck and how much we all need each other. Um, as friends, as collaborators, as creatives to create something. And upon that, we, we, we went through to Ganja Beats' studio. I'm an inexperienced songwriter, never written a song in my life. And Munashe, he, he, he did what any good friend would, you know, he made it seem like I got this, you know, to myself and to the boys. He was like, yeah, yeah, she's going to write a song. And um, I wrote it. I wrote some stuff. They were like, Okay, cool. Come record. It's my first time recording. It's my second time recording um, anything. And yeah, we did it. And they invited me back to the studio. And just like that, people who could tell I'm just an aspiring creative, an aspiring artist, an aspiring musician, they gave me a chance to turn that aspiration into a reality. And they really allowed me to to experiment and to sit and they gave me their valuable time and energy and music and allowed me to make mistakes on it. They allowed me to play around on it, to, to discover myself, to have songs that were never going to release, to have, to have songs that were purely educational in the, in the greater scheme of things. And, you know, they, they've been my mentors for the last couple of years and I'm so grateful for everything that we've done together in this process and the journey and how it's looking so far. And summertime is, is just another ode to this and it proves that the relationship is still so very powerful and meaningful to both of us and to both of us as entities. And yeah, hopefully we will continue making great music together. And I appreciate them having been mentors to me and giving me so many chances because I truly don't know um, how, how else the story could have unfolded and, and where I would be without, without their intervention, without their hospitality and generosity. And, and, and for, you know, um, seeing something in me that I wasn't even capable of seeing in myself because, you know, I, I wasn't anything at the, at the time. I wasn't uh, a musician. I didn't, I wouldn't self-identify as any of those things. So um, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for the fact that they, they allowed me to be bad. They allowed me to not know anything about what I'm doing and, and to learn um, on the job and, and through chances being given to me. One thing before I pass on to Megan, um, I don't think you needed any luck. I feel like you could have done this without luck. And secondly, shout out to Ganja Beats. Shout out to Ganja Beats. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got a lot to thank them for because this catalog is just ah, oh, it's too good. <laughs> um, you have a little bit of a trend of releasing Halloween singles. So far, we've got Candy Coated Ganja, we've got Candy Sweet. And hindsight, kinda, kinda. So if we're good, can we please get a spooky treat for 2022? Oh, I, I like that this is, this is like, there's demand for this. Now I have to, I have to oblige. I, I, I like that. I like that. Halloween has always been something that I've loved growing up. So it's something that I'm very excited about, you know, um, 
I made it a thing in China where it wasn't a thing. I mean, not me personally made it a thing in China, a country with a population of over a billion people, but, you know, I practiced it, you know, like, like going back to the point I was making about American TV and how, like what we all grew up watching for the most part, you know, I was like, oh my God, Halloween is like the most fun. This is just like, what, what don't you like about it? And I wasn't even like obsessed with the candy part. Like I just like dressing up. I think that's, that was the first you know, avenue I had for realizing that I like doing things that are unconventional, that, you know, I want to have fun. I like to dress up like costumes are so cool. And, and why wouldn't you want to be involved in that? So me and my friends used to go trick or treating, even though it wasn't a thing. (laughs) So we just go knocking on different people's doors and mind you, these are apartment buildings. So we're just taking the elevators, going to like different floors, banging on people's doors, like, sorry, explaining what Halloween is to them. Being like, if you do have candy or it's something you can offer us, look, we're like looking spooky ish. And so I think it's, it's, it's really just something deeply uh, personal for me, like my, my love for Halloween. I see it's not as big of a deal here in South Africa, which is slightly disappointing um, because, you know, I don't know. It just it makes me stand out when I do love it so much. But um, definitely we can definitely arrange that. That, that, that seems like a seems like a cool idea. I, I, I like um, outdoing, you know, myself. And so hopefully we can take it even further, push the envelope. Let's chat, Megan. I'm so keen. I'm so keen. One thing I've learned is that when you play multiple roles, maybe play one at a time. Uh, and don't forget to maybe let your art breathe before you show it to the world. So I'm so grateful that you've come and given us such such good company today. Um, one last thing I'd like to, you don't have to claim this at all, but I'd like to give you a new moniker and I'd like to, to give you the name Sludge Empress because I feel like you're in your goddess era and you've got it figured out and it's, it's all good from here. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you, Nasipi. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been so lovely speaking to you and digging deeper from a different angle, you know? Um, A lot of the things that, like, I discussed with you guys today are things that I, you know, uh, just directly go to, you know? So thank you for showing an interest in in parts of me um, that, you know, I'm excited about as well. And for my music, thank you for you know, listening. Thank you for wanting me to be a part of your show and everything that you guys have built. I'm very grateful. Thank you so much, uh, Oliver. You know, the, the show wouldn't be a thing without the likes of yourself. So really appreciate about the fact that, you know, you came through to the show and we got to learn about you. I hope the audience has learned just as much. Um, so if anyone wants to reach out to the Sledge Impress, um, what are the handles real quick for them? At Avangelic on pretty much every platform. It is spelled A-V-A-N-G-E-L-I-C. But it's your girl, Ava Like Lava. First name Ava. The rest of it says Like Lava. (laughs) Um, I'm sure you'll be able to find me if you look with intention. All right, that is dope. And obviously with Sludge Underground, we've got our website, www.sludgeunderground.com. And you obviously have our new merch collection well that you can check out. All the links are in the description. Do check that out. And I think by the time that we release this, um, your, I think summertime may be out already. So perhaps you can play out with us if you let us. Lovely. Please do summertime. We really, really hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think is apart from 2018 and what is not. Really hope you enjoy the track. More importantly, you just need to have fun to it. I hope you do. I hope it makes you feel as light as it makes me feel. And on that bombshell, it's bye for now. Take me to the summertime. Take me to the summertime. When the finest will be chilling outside like there's no bedtime. Take me to the summertime. When the finest will be chilling outside like there's no bedtime. Climbing up the van be to go up, but the walls be too damn high. Glitting all these walls of mine are a million stories. Wish I could share, no lie. So take me to the summertime. Take me to the summertime. Mama call me up, it's break the time. Mama call me up, it's season time. Mama call me up, wait, wait. My mama made me, yeah, 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 yeah. My mama made me. Hey, hey, I'm outside.
in the south side You hear my bell ringing, join me for a joy right? Hey, hey, it's our time, it's the prime time They wanna be us, they gotta make it count right Make it count right, make it count right They wanna be us, they gotta make it count So we gotta make it count like calculators I don't even know how to calculate this I don't even know how to add All I do is make my papa mad